This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 63, Thierry Marshall and Mark Horner from ANSYS share how users are leveraging ANSYS simulation to fight COVID-19, along with news and events in the ANSYS world. Hi there, I'm Eric Miller, one of the three owners of PADT and your host for these podcasts. Here we are, mid-May, um, and a little bit of an update on PADT status. Uh, really no change. We've moved, uh, as we mentioned before on the podcast, about 8% of our employees to work from home. And our uh, manufacturing facilities and IT team have been working uh, modified schedules to keep essential things going and uh, minimizing the amount of people in the office at any given time. But everything's running smoothly and at uh, pretty much 100%. Um, even occasionally, one of our product development engineers needs to go in uh, at some point when you're designing things, you gotta you gotta build the hardware and test it. So they've been doing that at home as much as possible, but also going in the lab and, and getting things done. So um, they've been making their way in as well in a safe way. We've got procedures in place and logs and all the things. Um, all of the states where we have offices, uh, if you're not aware, we have offices in California, Texas, Utah. Colorado and New Mexico, um, as well as people who work from home in some other states. Um, and so, but all those states are now pretty much um, easing their restrictions. Uh, California, especially Southern California, a little bit less so, but uh, in general, the, they're, they're easing things up. But um, everybody's still got to re-recommend if you can work from home, work from home. They say it different ways, but that's pretty much it. So we're going to stick with that. Our next part in this journey is planning our phased return. We're in no hurry uh, to take any chances. We've all stayed healthy through this and hope to continue to do so. So uh, we're planning it out just like we plan going home. And um, the other thing, the reality is it's getting really hot here in Phoenix and we're all going to be inside for the next six months anyhow. So uh, we're it's a little bit different for us as far as where everybody else wants to get out right now. As part of that planning, uh, we're using what the ANSYS community is uncovering with simulation, which is the topic of today's uh, episode. Is interview, and uh, we look forward to sharing that with you in a few few minutes. Before that, I want to mention that we are at nineteen thousand six hundred thirty-two downloads as of the morning of May seventeenth when I'm recording this, and uh, yeah, we're almost to twenty thousand. That's pretty impressive. Uh, people that have uh, different listens. I also want to take a second to recognize the person behind getting these podcasts out on time. I mention him every once in a while in passing, but. I was, I was looking at uh, some schedule stuff and realized how much he does uh, to make sure that these things not only just happen when they're supposed to happen, because I'll forget if he doesn't help me, but also keeping the topics interesting. And that's Trevor Rubinoff. He's the person that does the emails and does the phone calls. He's kind of the producer of this podcast and uh, needs a, everybody to give him a virtual round of applause. Um, he's keeping all the pieces moving. Uh, he also does all of our webinars, uh, the blog stuff, case studies, articles and interviews with industry media, anything that has to do with ancestor strategist marketing. That's what Trevor does. Um, he, he's even, he even redid the uh, podcast logo. So we have a much more professional and a much more colorful logo uh, for you to share with folks who want to check out the podcast. If you ever wonder how PDT does such a great job of communicating with the ANSYS community, it really, a lot of the credit goes to Trevor. So let's get into our interview and discussion here. The... Um, you know, there's, there's there's a lot of videos floating around, um, not, not as many as I'd like, but there's a, there's quite a few floating around uh, the community of ANSYS being used to model all sorts of devices, masks, um, or just show how when someone sneezes, where does the stuff go? 
So um, we want to know more about it. We asked two experts on using ANSYS in the medical field and uh, also in other applications that are similar to join us to explain what people are doing with the ANSYS simulation tools. And it's not just fluids. Tierra Marshall and Mark Horner are joining us and let's hear what they have to say. Okay, I want to welcome everybody for a special interview. Um, as we've been talking about on the podcast for quite some time, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, and simulation is playing a role, as is a lot of technology in helping um, um, understand and deal with this virus. And I've got two great people, uh, longtime friends from the world of ANSYS, employees at ANSYS, Mark Corner and Thierry Marshall, and uh, they've agreed to join us uh, from various parts of the world to talk about how people are using simulation simulation and ANSYS simulation in particular to understand and combat this thing. So why don't we start with some introductions? Uh, Thierry, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us uh, uh, how long you've been with ANSYS, uh, where you're working out of, and uh, what, what your role is. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm Thierry Marshall. I've been working for ANSYS for nearly 30 years, so a very long time. I'm uh, officially based uh, in Belgium, close to, to Brussels, but according to my daughter, I'm more based in the airport. <laughs> like you. <clears throat> and uh, well, I've got different uh, fun functions. First, in uh, in marketing, I am the uh, industry director for healthcare and sport, part of the, the mm -hmm. corporate marketing activity. But uh, as an extension of this activity, I've been recently nominated as the uh, e-health expert to the European Commission. Mm -hmm. And also, I've been elected like the secretary general of the Avicenna Alliance, which is a worldwide alliance medical device and pharma company interacting with government, U.S. government, uh, European government, but also regulator in order to make sure that we define the right regulation and practice to use computer models for healthcare. Very, we're very excited about that, and we want to come back and talk about that someday because we want to we want to be able to you know PADT does medical device development, and uh, being able to skip a lot of those testings and things is going to be uh, uh, or get to the answer faster is going to be fantastic. Um, and then Mark, why don't you uh, let us know the same things about yourself? Sure, thanks, Eric. Pleasure to be here. So I'm Mark Horner, and I started Ansys back in 2001. Um, so I work out of our office in Evanston, Illinois, which is right outside Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a principal engineer who also focuses on the healthcare industry, similar to Thierry. So looking after medical devices as well as pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical applications. Um, as part of my job, I also help to manage research partnerships with university groups. I also uh, manage our regulatory partnership with the FDA. Um, and then as part of our credibility activities that we're doing around modeling and simulation, I'm a very active member of the ASME VNV uh, 40 Standards Subcommittee. Um, in fact, uh, right now I serve as the vice chair of that mm -hmm. subcommittee. Um, so we're really excited from the VNV 40 perspective to see what we can do um, to help bring credible use of modeling and simulation to healthcare. Yeah. Very, very good. Very excited about that. Uh, uh, those activities, yeah. So, but we're here to talk about a very specific uh, pathogen. <laughs> I know that the application of ANSYS across healthcare is is we could we could talk we could probably do twenty different podcasts on just the big picture of that. But in specifically about the COVID nineteen and the 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 SARS what is it SARS CV two uh, virus and how it spreads and how we want to contain it. So I'm I'm just curious if you can share, um, you know, your guys' view, looking at what what Ansys is doing, what customers are doing, what universities are doing with Ansys tools. Um, how how are they using Ansys to to understand and combat this virus? 
And maybe Mark, I, I can start to get, mm -hmm. give the 30,000 feet uh, picture and, and you can go deep into the uh, technical side. In fact, uh, we start that uh, from, from the beginning. And uh, I remember receiving uh, an email from our CEO, uh, Ajay, uh, mm -hmm. was uh, asking me, okay, how can we help for that? We need to get rid of this uh, coronavirus as quickly uh, as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, we are approaching that along two different angles, the prevention and uh, the treatment over there. Mm -hmm. In terms of uh, pre prevention, we are using this kind of uh, modeling approach in order to see how this kind of uh, airborne uh, propagation can happen. Modeling the droplet for different uh, people talking, not through the computer like what we are doing yes. uh, uh, now, but uh, when, when they are uh, talking face-to-face, -face, when they are exercising like the jogger, like the walker, and so on. Similarly, in terms of prevention, what is the role of the, the mask that you might be wearing, mm -hmm. and especially for the medical staff, or can we get rid of the, the, the virus in the uh, hospital? In terms of uh, the, the treatment itself, there are two elements. When we have the, the patient lying in the hospital, we need some kind of uh, respiratory assistance. Mm -hmm. What are the ventilators uh, that we can uh, uh, develop faster? Is there a way to uh, uh, improve them? And for example, we've got the example of company where we've developed a new ventilator in just two weeks by wow. using simulation. The other mm -hmm. point is uh, for, for the future, and this is where we are acting very uh, uh, strongly right now, it's about the vaccine. We will be facing an, uh, a first challenge in, uh, humani in the humanity, in the sense that right now, many people are trying to develop this vaccine on a large scale. So mm -hmm. pro possibly working with a, a one liter uh, quantity. As soon as the, this vaccine has, will be uh, approved, we need to suddenly increase the production in order to treat not millions of people, but billions of people. Right. This is the largest scale-up that ever happened in uh, humanity. And so there will be a lot of uh, challenge for that. But maybe, Mark, you've got some more specific uh, details that you can uh, uh, give about some of the modeling that you have done with the uh, North American team. Mm -hmm. Sure, Terry. Yeah, that was a great, uh, great overview. Um, some of the additional work that we've been looking at um, is disinfection. So, for mm. example, how do we disinfect the air or disinfect the surfaces that we come into contact with? Um, one example is using um, the SPIOS technology that we have to model the mo model light as you know, ah. from a UV source and see how that light interacts with surfaces. How are we able to penetrate all the different surfaces that are in a room? And we're one one of the engineers here was kind of joking that we need to come up with a UV light version of a Roomba. Um, that can kind of <laughs> run itself around an empty room and then disinfect that room and then know that, you know, it's safe to reenter. Um, but then in addition to the surfaces themselves, we have to be able to disinfect the air. Um, so to ensure that the air that we breathe is safe within a hospital. So, you know, looking at mounting UV systems within our HVAC systems that we're sure that the air that gets circulated within the hospital or clinic, restaurant, mall, airport, et cetera, is, is free from bacteria or virus. You know, you bring up a really good point, which is, you know, removing pathogens from the air using UV. Um, of course, being an older, a more, let me say, a more seasoned ANSYS user, I immediately went to CFD for that. But um, I, we need to keep reminding ourselves that the simulation family at ANSYS has grown so much and the ability to model light accurately with the SPIOS product um, is critical for treating that. Um, it, it also brings up another point. Um, I wrote an article about, I don't know, a year ago about we don't do moonshots anymore because we don't have great challenges. Um, we can say we have a great challenge, but we really don't, right? So I think 
you talk about removing pathogens from the air, specifically COVID-19, but that'll be applicable in hospitals for all pathogens, right? So um, that this these these developments in pharmaceutical and massive vaccination and will be applicable to so many different uh, uh, pathogens. So it's pretty cool. Yes, yeah. and to some extent, this is not the the start of the story. This is the reason why uh, ANSYS has been able to uh, react so uh, quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got several ongoing uh, uh, collaboration and partnership around the, the world. Very nice one, the University of Auckland in New Zealand, uh, Oklahoma State University uh, as well, where we were modding the uh, the dispersion of uh, influenza uh, pathogens and they are relatively close to to the the, the COVID. So it was uh, a very nice start in order to uh, say, okay, how can we refine that, customize that to the the, the COVID nineteen? And certainly, what I do hope is that this is a major wake up call for the entire uh, industry <coughs> and uh, the government to realize that uh, this kind of uh, modeling approach can be very important for the future because. I'm afraid that this is not the last pandemic that, uh, right. we'll, uh, that we will be facing. We need to be ready for the, the next one. And simulation is proving to be extremely important in order to react quickly. Typically, you need between 10 and 15 years to design a new drug, a new vaccine. We cannot afford to wait for 10 years here. Yeah. Simulation is such an important part of that. Um, uh, Mark, what other tools are people using out there to model things in the ANSYS uh, suite? So, yeah, specifically to COVID, another set of simulations that we've been working on is with LS Dyna. Um, mm -hmm. So, Terry mentioned the mask. And, mm -hmm. you know, one avenue of simulation we use is Fluent and look specifically at the air interaction between, you know, an air and particle interaction. What mm -hmm. particles, uh, you know, would be filtered by the mask and, you know, what air would be filtered as we breathe out. Um, and what are the pressure drops associated with that? So imagine a very rigid mask would be very hard to breathe, whereas something that's soft and it has higher permeability will allow air to go through more easily, but could then, but would then not filter particles. So we can look at, you know, Fluent or CFD tools to manage that. But now imagine, um, you know, we're breathing and maybe there's not a significant amount of deformation of a mask. Um, but what if we cough? What does that right. mean in terms of even displacement of the mask, especially the made at home masks and, you know, that are, mm -hmm. that we're looking at now, which could be much softer. Um, so looking at um, one, how well does uh, the standard respirator masks that we have mm -hmm. fit on the face, as mm -hmm. well as then the interaction when we cough and breathe and doing fluid structure interaction simulations to say, how does that mask deform when we breathe, cough or sneeze? Um, so those are using LS Dyna tools. So in that mm -hmm. case, we're able to model, you know, the explicit contact between the mask and the face, mm -hmm. and then also capture as we're breathing in and out, you know, the fluid structure interaction all within the LS Dyna toolkit, which I think is really exciting. Um, another uh, mm -hmm. another uh, tool that we've been using is ANSYS Motion. Um, so right. being, being able to look at the rigid body interactions. So as we look at those kind of those very uh, those new ventilators that are coming out that look that are taking advantage of compressing an ambu bag, right? Mm -hmm. So in that case, you have, you know, a set of rigid parts that are interacting with this ambu bag, which is highly flexible. Um, so we can look at the rigid part interaction like gears and struts and et cetera, and how they induce motion and compression of that bag um, using purely ANSYS motion and then representing the bag itself as maybe like a linear spring to capture mm -hmm. the response of the bag. But ANSYS motion can give us some really interesting feedback on how those different rigid parts fit together to, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, actuate the compression of the bag. 
And then the final thing I'll mention is on mm -hmm. the additive side. So we've mm -hmm. been we've been using topology optimization um, and then additive manufacturing to help us understand how do we lightweight the frame that's used to uh, hold that ventilator system, and then you know what can we do from an additive manufacturing side to print either custom parts. Um, maybe the frame, although the frames uh, do tend to be made out of plastic and not metal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, it's such a wide variety of applications uh, out there. Um, and and I, th I think also mentioned maybe in the long run using some of the controls, um, SCADE products to do and some of the uh, failure analysis products to understand and, and plot out the, the software for some of the respirator, the ventilators and things like that. I know that that's something else that people are looking at. So there's a lot of different places that the ANSYS products can play a role. Um, uh, it's a very specific technical question <laughs> that's been sure. uh, been bothering me or wondering me. When you're modeling the particles of the virus itself um, in, in, say, Fluent, is that a special user routine? Or are we just using normal particles and assigning some properties to them? How, how are we actually calculating the virus virus's movement in the flow? So right now, the vi we're, we're modeling um, the particles that we exhale as a mm -hmm. particle size distribution. Um, okay. So there's quite a bit of uh, active research out there, as you can imagine, in mm -hmm. regards to what, do, what is the typical particle size distribution just when we breathe in and breathe out, mm -hmm. and then also when we cough or sneeze. Um, mm -hmm. So taking advantage of that, we can get a you know droplet size, if you will, um, mm -hmm. from that. And so while we're not explicitly modeling the contents of those water droplets, which is partially coronavirus, we are modeling, we think accurately, the, the mm -hmm. size of those particles. And then also, um, if I recall correctly, Thierry, uh, you know, some simulations are also including humidi humidification factors. So what's the impact of humidity, et cetera, on potential evaporation of those particles. So um, some folks are looking at as we move from, say, a very dry environment like where I am in the Chicago area, which some people call dry. Um, to somewhere like India, where mm -hmm. it's much more humid. What does that mean for evaporation of those particles and the evaporation rate? Because that feeds back into how long they're able to stay suspended in air. That's a very important point. We mm -hmm. do not model the virus. Uh, and I, I want to be uh, very clear on that because uh, we were facing some problem with uh, medical staff and epidemiologists telling us, that, okay, we don't know anything about the virus uh, contamination. And they are right. We are not epidemiologists. But what mm -hmm. we know very well is what is the aerodynamics of this kind of droplet, mm -hmm. depending on the size of the, the droplet, the evaporation of this droplet, just like Mark was mentioning, depending on the temperature, the humidity level, and so on. And that's where we are helping quite a lot the epidemiologists. At the beginning, they were wondering what we were saying, and now they are very interested. A few of them have contacted us directly in order to see how we can join force and to, to help that. So we do not model the virus. And for example, along this line, there is a still unknown whether very tiny droplet, something like uh, 10 mi micrometers, can still convey the virus or, or not. So when mm -hmm. we say that uh, when you are jogging behind someone, you will penetrate a cloud of uh, a tiny uh, droplet, we don't say that you are uh, going to a cloud of contaminated uh, droplet. We just say that uh, you are going mm -hmm. to a cloud uh, exhaled by uh, people who are uh, contaminated. Because today, the, the epidemiologist doesn't know whether this small droplet can contaminate some people or not. That means that it's better to be cautious. This is what, mm -hmm. what simulation can uh, teach uh, people until the epidemiologist will be solving this kind of uh, question. So that's why I want to, to insist on the fact that we do not model virus itself, we model mm -hmm. the uh, droplet. Droplet itself, good. 
that's good to know. And you brought up what I think is my favorite uh, simulation, although I haven't been out running at a time when there's anybody else on the road um, because we get up really early here in Phoenix to, to get outside. <laughs> but um, the study that was done looking at is it better to run side by side or um, uh, one in front of the other um, uh, as far as these droplet transmissions? Either of you want to comment on that simulation and what, what was found out? Yeah, well, I, I was running that with uh, Professor mm-hmm. Berbocken from the University of uh, Eindhoven in the Netherlands and uh, KU Leuven in, uh, in, in Belgium. And mm-hmm. we were doing that relatively quickly. It was interesting. Uh, Berbocken is very well known for all his work for, for the Tour de France, for the cyclists and, mm-hmm. and so on. And he was approaching me to say, okay, what can I do in order to help uh, uh, COVID-19? And I was suggesting that uh, we might be modeling the uh, uh, droplet uh, uh, from uh, uh, people uh, running. We define a few uh, situations where people were crossing each other, uh, running mm-hmm. side by side, or running one behind the, the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were very surprised by, by the, the, the results. That's why mm-hmm. we were publishing that uh, uh, very quickly. Mm-hmm. That's some, somewhat counterintuitive. This this was my biggest surprise in this entire COVID-19 mm-hmm. activity that we were doing, is that uh, you need to watch your bike. In the sense that uh, when you are running, Mm-hmm. This is a, a little bit counterintuitive to see that the, the droplet, the contaminated droplet, will, will be behind you. Mm-hmm. At the same time, this is quite logical. You are running, you are mm-hmm. moving on faster than the, the droplet that you have exhaled, and therefore they are uh, behind you. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you need to uh, introduce this kind of gravity. A large droplet, the most dangerous one, will be fall, falling down. A small ah. droplet can stay in the air, but we don't know whether they are contaminating uh, people for a few meters. It was a very mm-hmm. nice extension to social distancing in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, clearly it had been ag- agreed that uh, for social distancing, six feet could be uh, quite uh, re- reasonable. But six mm-hmm. feet when you are moving is, uh, is much be- bigger than, than that. So that's why we were coming with this kind of recommendation of 10 feet, 20 mm-hmm. feet when, when you are cycling. That doesn't mean that uh, if you are running close to someone else, you will be contaminated immediately. That means that you might be taking a risk. Mm-hmm. Right. The risk is increased when you when you do that. Yeah, I don't really have any a problem with anybody running behind me. I'm so slow they pass me. But but the point is, the point is though, you, you, well, go ahead. Yeah. If this guy is uh, passing you, you have to mm-hmm. make sure that he's not coming back in front of you too quickly. Otherwise, a if very this good person point. is contaminated, that means that you, you can uh, inhale the droplet that it's getting. But as you say, if you are very slow, that means that it will be a few meters in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a valid point because that's generally what we do, right, is the the faster runner or cyclist will go around and then get in front of the other person. And what we should do is keep that spacing uh, to the side as well as until we've got this 10 to 20 uh, feet uh, distance. That's that's good good input. Um, there was there was another simulation I saw of a, a group of three gentlemen standing on a street corner sneezing on each other. I think, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, anything to share from the study of of that kind of interaction of sneeze? I think there was a sneezing in your elbow versus not, or covering your mouth, or anything to share from that. I think other than just kind of. Uh, funny looking. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that one, Eric. Um, so two two things to note. One, you know, part of the reason we generated that video was mm-hmm. this concept of social distancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, especially, you know, adults, we, we learn that rules are there for a reason. We don't always know why those rules are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone smart somewhere, hopefully, you know, did a study <laughs> yes. and, and came up with that rule. And it seems to make sense, but we don't know why. 
but especially kids, you know, my younger kids, mm -hmm. it's hard to explain mm -hmm. to them that when they cough or sneeze, they can't see where mm -hmm. those droplets go when they leave their mouth. And the analogy I, I like to use is, you know, if you go take, you take your child to the zoo, if they see a dolphin, um, that dolphin spouts water through its blowhole. Mm -hmm. We can very clearly see because the volume of water is so much greater and the mm -hmm. droplets are so much larger, we can see where those water droplets go. But we can't see it when we cough or sneeze. So these videos really pr provide the, the mm -hmm. kind of public service announcement, if you will, to, to visualize uh, for folks, this is why social distancing needs to be adhered to. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're mm -hmm. really wondering why, because every time I cough or sneeze, I can't see where the particles go. Thank right. goodness, right? <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, this this helps to explain to people why they need to stay apart. I think what's been really exciting with these is that I, I do a little bit of a survey, just asking mm -hmm. neighbors, or if I go, you know, I, I was at a pizza restaurant picking up a pizza mm -hmm. to go recently, mm -hmm. and I just asked, you know, have you seen those videos? Oh yeah, I've seen the videos. You know, especially. That's great. The running jogging one so mm -hmm. they are doing their job in terms of helping people to understand the importance of social distancing and I, I think that the fact that they have been able to penetrate so deeply is great the other thing i'll mention is you mm -hmm. mentioned they look kind of funny and mm -hmm. so what we did in that case the simulations themselves you can imagine look very generic and inside yes. fluent um yes. <laughs> it's people in an open space you know a very large box and there's three body models there mm -hmm. it was really exciting to see again coming back to spios and the vr experience tools mm -hmm. yes. that we could uh skin those folks and put you mm -hmm. know clothing on them mm -hmm. and then provide a background environment mm -hmm. um, to provide more you know context if you will for the simulation so i thought that was really exciting yeah. uh, for me just to take just to Take them, take it up a notch, and really show people in that social interaction, and they don't, they don't have to extrapolate as much. I think mm -hmm. it comes as a bit of a double-edged sword, though, because then people may start to look at these as not being physics-based models, but mm -hmm. instead something that's a CGI-type model that right. we developed for a movie. And I know they, they, they use modeling as part of what they do, but you know, then the question becomes, mm -hmm. where do we draw the line to, to make sure folks are aware that there's physics driving this type of simulation? Mm -hmm. So it brings up a new line of discussion. When you right. start to look at these videos, but I still, I was still really impressed with what we're yeah. able to do from the post-processing side and VR experience to really up the, up the kind of. I, yeah, I think it definitely spread more because of that. And, and, and this all yeah. kind of goes back to kind of that, that I don't know if you guys, you know, I'm sure you guys remember the sneeze on the airplane that, that yes. really went mainstream as a, as a way to use simulation to explain to people how this stuff works. Yeah. Uh, how long ago was that? That was I'm not sure, ago, but 2014, yeah. 2015, something yeah. like, like that. But you see, Eric, um, what I wanted to add to uh, mm. what uh, uh, Mark was saying is that uh, rather than imposing some rules from different mm -hmm. governments uh, around the world, and uh, of course, you will have uh, people saying, okay, I don't want to follow the rule, I've got my own freedom. Here, with this kind of uh, nice animation, we are not imposing any rules. We are educating people. We are mm -hmm. showing them what, what's happening. And when you, you understand what's happening, you, you don't, nobody needs to impose the, the rules. Everybody will be following that because nobody wants to be uh, contaminated. And that's why we've got a different organization around the world, governmental organization from US and Canada, from Australia, from uh, UK, who are approaching us because they suddenly realize the power of simulation not just to design some product, but mm -hmm. to educate people. And for example, I was uh, discussing with uh, uh, HSE, is a health safety uh, executive in uh, UK. They were very interested to use this kind of modeling to define different kind of scenario in order to protect the medical staff. 
Should they wear mm -hmm. some uh, uh, mask? Should, should they, they wear some uh, shield? Uh, what is uh, the position for, for that? Can we analyze the different uh, drop the, the position depending upon the, the HVAC environment in such a way that they will minimize the, the impact? For example, another example that uh, we have online is that uh, many people don't want to close the nasal clip because it's mm -hmm. painful. If you wear yes. that for several uh, hours, you will see the mark over there. But mm -hmm. when you show that if you do not close another clip, you will uh, increase the risk of contamination by a factor of 10. Wow. But these people will say, okay, I will close it. Even if, if it is painful, I'm more interested by staying uh, healthy. So we, we are just using that to illustrate what's going on. Very, very good point. It's, 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 you know, we've spent our whole careers using simulation to answer uh, design questions, right? Um, how do I optimize the performance of this device? Or how do I keep it from failing or increase the whatever parameter I'm trying to do. And we're seeing how it can be used as an educational tool outside of engineering to uh, help people understand what's really going on rather than kind of, yeah, like you say, taking it for granted because the rules there, I think it's fantastic. And um, are, are we starting to see people look at simulating, you mentioned in the hospital environment, but using simulation to figure out how we can set up restaurants or office spaces and keep what's the proper rules for social distancing as we kind of slowly ramp up? Is that something people are starting to look at? Well, from my end in Europe, and then uh, I will let uh, uh, Mark uh, explain. Mm. He said that we are getting out of uh, lockdown uh, very, very mm. soon, and and therefore uh, I'm receiving several requests from uh, people having some uh, sports center. So, okay, mm -hmm. uh, can you explain me what, what's going on? Can I restart uh, safely? Uh, I've got several questions. Uh, I've got my daughter at school, and uh, we are planning to restart school in a couple of weeks from now. But there are some rules saying that okay, no more than ten kids per uh, a classroom. Mm -hmm. There should be some distance over there. People are saying, okay, no, I don't want to send my, my children over there. And therefore, we have this kind of request. So, okay, can we model that and mm -hmm. bring some answer rather than having this kind of uh, ongoing uh, polemic? So there are some discussion uh, taking place like that and people are approaching us. And Mark, I think that you've got something to, to add. Sure. Yeah, so we I don't know that we've seen um, an increase in the discussion. At least I haven't been personally mm -hmm. involved in those. Mm -hmm. um, but I will tell you that, you know, one example that has circulated some on the Internet is the example of a restaurant. I believe it was in Wuhan where mm -hmm. they were doing the tracking of the covid virus. And they found uh, they showed this really interesting map that showed here's a group of infected people that sat um, right next to a ventilation vent in the restaurant. Ah. And then they showed when the people downstream of those people at the time they're in the restaurant were infected by the coronavirus. And it was very clear the importance of. The HVAC system and how what mm -hmm. we could do to better design those systems, but then what we also have to do, like what Terry's mentioning, to protect ourselves um, mm -hmm. by being aware of the surroundings and you know what we're we're exposing ourselves to when we go out to eat. So I think it's going to be something that becomes very important very quickly yeah. if we want to get back to business as usual. Yeah, because I saw that Texas's uh, uh, rules are basically twenty five percent. Uh, occupancy, mm -hmm. uh, kind of this arbitrary number. And of course, I was going, where's the simulation? Where's the test data? Uh, why 25%? What's, shouldn't it be more density-based? Um, there, there should be more science behind that. So I'd, I'd love to see that. And hopefully, hopefully we'll start seeing some simulations done to help us understand that. Um, um, yeah. Um, 
you know, you touched on it briefly, but I want to go back to um, how did Ansys really get involved in this uh, response initially? I think customers kind of automatically started using the tools, but Ansys as a company, I think Ajay kind of kicked some things off early on, right? That's correct. <clears throat> but not just uh, Ajay. Ajay uh, is uh, very passionate about healthcare. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, spontaneously, Mark, myself, and a few others who have been uh, mm-hmm. uh, driving the healthcare activity, well, we've been saying for years that uh, this in-sync approach, using computer model for healthcare, is a way to accelerate uh, medical innovation. Well, we have a perfect example here where time matters more than for anything else. So it was obvious right. that we need to go over there. And suddenly, uh, I've got several of our existing partners, whether they are academic or industrial uh, people, whether they're coming from the healthcare industry, but some of them from the consumer product industry, even from the automotive industry, saying, mm-hmm. okay, how can we help? I've got many people coming to me to say, okay, uh, well, we are using simulation, how can we help? And suddenly, this is the, the way to tell them, okay, here is what we, we are doing, here is how we validate. Validation is extremely important. So we set up this kind of uh, uh, first uh, um, website like ansys.com slash COVID in order to illustrate different ongoing collaboration that either we did at ANSYS that we mm-hmm. were doing with a partner. And since then, we keep adding to them some people coming to us. Some of them are confidential, others mm-hmm. are not, but to show what could be done. And now that's the, the, the kind of call that I would have is that we're just scratching the surface. There are many scenarios that we can consider. What's going on in the subway? What's going on in the mm-hmm. airplane, in the train, in the, 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 the car? Can we understand that? Put some real uh, quantification of that, just like uh, we, you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. We cannot do all that by yourself. So any kind of help uh, would be mm-hmm. very welcome, including some funding from the, the, the government so that we, mm-hmm. we can assist quantify this element. It's a great, great examples. Yeah, I think, uh, well, we appreciate it. I think, you know, everybody's looking for ways to help and um, Ansys had the, the right tool set at the right time and the right, I think even more so the right people. Um, the the global Ansys network is a very powerful tool uh, in and of itself, you know, customers and academic partners and Ansys employees and channel partners, uh, quite, a, quite an impressive group of people. Um, so is there, we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Uh, is there anything else either of you want to add that you think our listeners should know about uh, the ANSYS response or the tools being used? For my side, covered. I think we covered most of it. Yeah, I think it was a great discussion. Good. Well, if I can add just one yes. point. Uh, sure. Uh, just re- 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 uh, one double recommendation. I would uh, ask everybody to be humble and to be proud. To be humble because we are not, Part of the medical staff, and, and therefore we, we cannot say that we, we can counter the, the, the propagation. But at the same time, as we were explaining, to be proud, we have a tool that most people don't know about, and we need to talk uh, about that. We need to use the, this tool because mm-hmm. the medical staff alone will not be able to do that, and they are fully re- recognize that. So uh, we need to all be humble and, and proud for that, and we will be fighting this uh, this virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be an advocate for the use of simulation in this case, for sure. Yeah. Um, so if listeners want to learn more about what ANSYS is doing, where should they go? Well, there is a site, ansys.com slash COVID, C-O-V-I-D. And okay. that's where we are uh, storing some information. They can always contact us as well. Mm-hmm. If they are willing to provide some uh, help, uh, we welcome uh, any people, especially those who are trained in ANSYS. We can certainly uh, make, make sure that they, they can work. And we are ready to help as well. Great. Fantastic. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, 
fantastic discussion. I could go on and on and on, but I think we covered the the basics. And uh, do check out that website to to learn more. And if you're doing work uh, using simulation to combat to respond to the COVID nineteen pandemic, do do reach out to the contact information on that page and and please share and and cooperate and together we can uh, in a global response can do a much better job. Um, I'll, I'll mention um, also you know we've done a couple other podcasts and seminars on using uh, Ansys Cloud and and other HPC resources. Uh, don't forget that uh, you know speed is of the essence, so uh, please please don't forget the our HPC capability as well as all the tools um, as a way to get faster answers better um, regardless of the tool set you're using. So uh, guys, I really appreciate uh, the chance to virtually talk with both of you. Uh, hopefully we'll see you again in, in January at the sales kickoff uh, um, and hopefully we'll be able to get together again. But if not, we'll, we'll see you virtually uh, in the coming year. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Great Thanks. discussion. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. So I don't know about you, but I think that's really cool, everything they talked about, and we could have gone on and on. Um, if you have any work you've done that is COVID-19 related, please reach out to either of them or to us at podcast at PDTinc.com or even info at PDTinc.com, and we can connect you with them. Uh, I think the community would benefit from even more examples. It's, it's a great uh, way for us to show people outside of the simulation world what we do for a living and to really make a difference uh, in answering some of these questions that people have. Um, I, I read a, a, a someone who's a, a bit of a skeptic uh, sent me an article about, you know, this type of mask doesn't work. And I'm like, well, it doesn't work in certain ways because, and I showed them the simulation of someone coughing behind the mask and how if the mask isn't tight, how the uh, particles uh, get out. And, and it kind of explained the results they were seeing in the article. So it was really uh, useful to, to deploy in that area. So it's commercial time. Please consider PDT as your ANSYS supplier if you are in the southwestern U.S. and for simulation consulting and customization no matter where you are. We are also just as good at additive manufacturing and product development, so give us a try. We love what we do, and our customers tell us we are good at it. These times are difficult, and you may be facing some challenges you never expected. We're here to help. We have not slowed down, and we can assist with simulation, customization, product development, testing, scanning, 3D printing, whatever you need, please do reach out. If we can't help you, we probably know somebody that does. So we'll get through this together. In the world of news, let's talk about the ANSYS stock. It, it's almost uh, at the exact same place it was when we last checked uh, two weeks ago. It closed Friday uh, at 253.93. So that'll be the 15th, Friday the 15th. Um, and that's year-to-date down only 1.18%, so in the noise level. So not a bad place to keep your money in the middle of all this. Um, the Dow, the S&P 500 has gone down 11.47% since the beginning of the year as a point of reference. They did release their Q1 numbers on May 6th, so we, missed, we just missed that last time I recorded. So let's talk about that. Um, you know, it's, it's tough out there. So the, it's the first time the numbers haven't really gone up. Um, the, the, they, um, it was, it was kind of interesting to see. It wasn't bad, but um, it, we've had such a string of big numbers that it was kind of a surprise to, to see. Um, but all good news. Um, so um, 
One thing to point out before we get started is Ansys, at least new to me, has a new way of sharing their quarterly data. If you go to ansys.com and then click on the About Ansys in the menu, then click Investor Relations under that, you'll go to the Investor Relations page and go down, scroll down a little bit, and you'll find a block called Quarterly Results. And they've got the press release, they've got remarks, the webcast, presentations, and even an infographic um, uh, that I thought was pretty useful that has the key numbers in it. So um, even more ways to get info. And, and, and I, if you really care about Ansys, I recommend every once in a while you listen in on one of those investor calls um, and just hear how Ajay and Maria and other executives, um, uh, well, how competent they are. Um, I, I'm always impressed by their answers. So do, do check it out. Um, it's, it's important to kind of get a feel for what they're thinking. And it's a good way to get a, get a judge of that. So the numbers, uh, Q1 revenue was uh, $305 million versus $317 million last year for Q1. That's down only 4%. Uh, profit was $46 million, down 47% from Q1 last year. So they did spend more money um, with, a, with a, just a small change in, uh, uh, yeah, and a small change in revenue, but expenses went up. So there you go. The good news is, and why no one should panic, and I think why the stock is doing so well, is uh, they have $718 million in cash sitting in the bank. So they can ride this out for quite some time. They are also using a metric. I think I mentioned this the last couple times, but um, it's becoming more prominent in their discussions. They call it the annual contract value. And because they have so many different apples and oranges to compare and what's the, what, what, where is revenue coming from, they just kind of look at, okay, if something was executed in the given quarter, so let's say we're talking about quarterly results, the annual value of that contract rather than the quarterly value of that contract, or if it's a multi-year contract, the multi-year value, um, we're just going to we're just going to record what that is worth to what kind of income that's going to bring into the company during the next uh, year. So um, I think it's a nice metric. Uh, it was three hundred one million, by the way, um, and it was three hundred five million uh, for the first quarter last year. So I think that's a good indication. Um, we did also learn uh, this may have come out somewhere else, but I noticed it for the first time in the press release for the quarterly results that when Ansys purchased Lumerical, that was a, the last acquisition they did. They paid one hundred seven million dollars for that. It's an optical simulation tool. So in general, from a stock standpoint, <laughs> considering what's going on, not bad at all, um, especially if you consider uh, also the amount of business that Ansys does in Asia and Europe. So we, we tend to think of it really hitting economically in uh, the U.S., kind of starting March, maybe, uh, the end of Q1. Uh, but for Asia and Europe, it, it, of course, hit much, much earlier. So I think that's what we're seeing here um, and uh, very strong considering everything that's going on. So we'll keep watching that. Look forward to Q2 and then uh, on and on through the end of the year. There is no other ANSYS news to report. They got some certifications from some other uh, companies that use their electronic simulation tools, and those need to be certified for use. And we don't have any PADT news to share as well. So in the world of the ANSYS blog, um, on, the, on the topic of today's interview, they actually published a, a blog article about something we talked about uh, with uh, Thierry and, and Mark was, uh, can ultraviolet light disinfection solve the PPE shortage? So people are using um, light simulation tools from ANSYS to see if we can get in there and, and clean these PPE. So that's a good article worth reading. I won't tell you what the conclusion is. Um, 
Also, just in time, because everybody needed to go home and didn't have access to their desktop computer maybe, ANSYS has introduced a web-based, what they call virtual desktop infrastructure, and it runs in the ANSYS cloud. They've also made ANSYS licensing flexible for the ANSYS cloud, so it's even easier to run in the cloud. There's a little bit of details there, so I'm not going to get into them. Please do read the article. It's actually called Introducing VDI Flexible Licensing on ANSYS Cloud. Uh, it's brand new. Uh, we'll get Cena to take a look at it and maybe get uh, some impact from uh, uh, some input from him on how well it works. And uh, again, making it easier for you guys to work from home. The third article that I'm pointing out in the ANSYS blog is called Keys to Effective Communication in the Virtual World. And we've been going through this, as has ANSYS, um, and they're kind of pros at it, right? Because ANSYS is a truly a global organization. They are spread out everywhere. So they're used to working in a virtual world. So I think it's some really useful information. They, they got three different leaders, uh, one from the US, one from Europe, and one from India. I think one is in sales, one is in training, and one is in technical support. So they all give... Uh, different perspectives on using the virtual meetings and email and all sorts of other things to stay connected and how to be more effective using these new tools. Why well, not new tools, especially not the answers, but tools that everybody's using now. Um, on the PDT blog, I have to make a public apology. Ahmed did a fantastic job of writing up a blog many weeks ago um, on the new licensing in ANSYS, and I completely spaced on posting it. Uh, it's up there now. Um, why this is a big deal and why it should have gone up as soon as he got it finished is years and years ago, ANSYS started using a modified version of the FlexLM license manager. FlexLM is the company that kind of owns um, shared licensing, right? Where you've got a server that says you get five seats and people can check out how many receipts they want. ANSYS modified that tool to, to give a little bit more flexibility, especially in Workbench, uh, to users so they could do multiple things at one time and not check out two licenses. It's really complicated why they did it, but it made sense at the time. The problem was most engineering software packages that use FlexLM right out of the box and ANSYS was different. So in larger companies that had a lot of different software, it was a bit of a, a problem with the IT department sometimes installing the ANSYS license manager, and we needed to update it every release, and it may have been different than what they were using for other tools, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's no longer an issue. They've gone back to the standard FlexLM. They've done what they need to do inside the core of the code to allow that. So uh, in the world of IT, for people who support ANSYS, there is much rejoicing. Um, There's only one port to open. Um, and also, um, you can use the same license manager for all your tools, not just ANSYS tools. So um, do check it out. Ahmed's got a really cool article about it. He goes through the details, why it's important, why we care, uh, what to do. Um, and he's also got some really cool pictures of surprise groundhogs to spice it up, um, which I thought was pretty funny. Upcoming events. Uh, we've got one webinar scheduled uh, for this month remaining. We already had one earlier in the month. It's called, it's really a cool one. I'm really looking forward to this one because I love this topic. It's called Designing Better Rocket Engines with ANSYS. And so we're going to talk to one of ANSYS's, or one of PADT's customers that is using ANSYS to design rocket engines. And uh, we're going to find out from them um, what what the, what they're learning and what they know. Um, so very cool. It's going to be, uh, it's coming Wednesday, 521 at 11 Pacific. And if you missed it, of course, you can always go to Bright Talk and listen to the recording. 
We also had, if you if you like the discussion we had today on this podcast, we had a um, panel uh, online on Bright Talk as well, um, where we discussed using 3D printing to deal with COVID-19. And uh, it was a fantastic discussion. It was uh, two universities and two companies, uh, all, all ANSYS customers, uh, including ANSYS, Arizona State University, uh, Colorado, University of Colorado, University of Colorado, and uh, I always get the two confused, and um, L3 Harris. And we had a really good discussion about everybody's doing something a little bit different and the, the challenges they faced and they overcame and just the fantastic way the community came together to get tools into the hands of the right people as quickly as possible using 3D printing. So that's available on Bright Talk as well. So all of our webinars and seminars are available on www.brighttalk.com. If you search for PADT, you will find all of them and you can listen to the old ones and register for new ones. Um, the big ANSYS event, of course, that's coming up is Simulation World. That's June 10th and 11th. So register if you have not. It is free. Hopefully some of you have submitted papers to be presented. They are gathering all those together and coming up with a full agenda right now. So in conclusion, I want to thank you. I want to remind you to not uh, to don't forget to subscribe to PADT's emails at padtinc.com slash opt-in. Uh, spread the word about um, the podcast and let people know about it and uh, hopefully get more subscribers. And don't hesitate to reach out. And, and in conclusion, you know, at PDT, uh, since this whole thing started with the coronavirus, we, we started using the saying, stay safe and healthy, then productive. Uh, the, that was kind of the priority is do safe things, keep yourself healthy, then worry about being productive. And, and that's worked really well for us. We've been very productive. We've been safe and everybody's been healthy. But um, as, as states start to open up, when we get out there in the big, bad world, we're, we're realizing that um, the people may not be doing the safest thing around us. Um, they may not be healthy. So uh, we can't change the behavior of those other people. We can rant all we want on social media, but we ain't going to change them. Um, so we have to stay informed and make intelligent choices. Uh, we have to be the adults in the room sometimes. So we've changed our saying to stay smart, safe, and healthy, and then productive. So be smart out there, and we hope to see you in the next podcast. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 63. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.